Making the connection between hearing and having spiritual vitality, here's Pastor Ed Ray. Sound waves are being compressed and released. Your ears, your tympanic membranes are slapping back and forth. But are you listening? Are you taking in? The first sign of a person who is slipping away, who is drifting, is that they no longer hear. They're no longer interested. They're not listening any longer. They're sluggish in things of the Lord. No desire to drive forward, to grow. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your Blindness cuts us off from things, but deafness, said Helen Keller, cuts us off from people. How true it is. Hearing is essential for communication, and you can't have a growing, intimate relationship without it. No doubt, you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord and others. Well, our scripture on today's Grow in Grace will help. That scripture is Hebrews chapter 5, and it's there we discover what hinders our growth and what helps it. To tell us more from Hebrews 5, verse 6, here's Pastor Ed. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to Melchizedek. Now, this is a a big leap, not for those who were reading it who understood. This is Psalm 110, verse 4 we read, but it is a, a verse that seems out of place. Melchizedek was a high priest who wasn't a Jew. And we're going to read about him. You can read about him in Genesis. He only appears twice in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 14, and here in Psalm 110, verse 4. His priesthood continues, and Jesus, it says, is part of his priesthood. You can read ahead. We'll be looking at his, that name over and over again in the next four chapters, so you'll get used to it. You can get a jump on it by reading this afternoon. You'll get mm, gold stars on your heaven chart if you do that. If you're visiting, I'm kidding. Okay, that is, you don't, nobody gets stars. You don't have a heaven chart. Verse, I don't? Why am I here? Verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, his, capital H, talking about Jesus, there was only one who was God who came in the flesh, who, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. This is an interesting verse. It's a controversial verse. It's a battleground for theologians and not for just normal folks. While Jesus was here on earth, He offered prayers and pleadings. Notice the word day is plural, days. Some teach this, that this is talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. One day or one evening. It is plural. It's talking about his life. You remember 40 days in the wilderness with the devil. The point? The point is Jesus struggled with temptation just like you and I all of his life. We saw last time that he is a sympathetic high priest. He knows because he spent that time on planet Earth. And so he's acquainted with the pressures you were under last week. He understands and he has 
hope for all of us. So, the prayer was heard and responded to, verse 8. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Better son though he was, yet he learned obedience from experience. This is not talking about Jesus somehow learning to move from disobedience to obedience. He has always been obedient, but this is talking about his time in the flesh, the verse before. He experienced, he lived in innocence, but when he came to the earth and took on a human body for the first time and felt the pressures you and I have, then he moved from innocence to virtue. Now, virtue and integrity are the result of a choice that comes in your life and in mine. And it's describing this obedience that came to Jesus as he walked through life, as difficult as it was. I was reading this week about a, a World War I hero. His name was York. He was a sergeant. And Alvin C. York, one day he captured 132 enemy soldiers and would later be awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. So he was a big hero. They wrote they did a movie about him, several books written about him, but he himself was a, a very humble man. Later, after all this was done and everybody knew who he was, he was asked uh, what was the secret of his integrity. And he said, let me read you from my diary. This is three months before the event. I carried a New Testament with me. I have that testament still. I carried it with me during all the fighting. I read it through five times during my stay in the army. I read it everywhere. I read it in the dugouts, in foxholes, on the front line. It was my rock to cling to. I didn't do any cursing. No, not even on the front line. I cut all of that out long ago at the day I was saved. He lived the rest of his life, a humble, submissive, obedient believer who was an elder in a small church. But he had discovered the importance of God's Word in his life, of applying it every day. And he became obedient as a result of that. We'll see that as we move a little deeper here. Verse 9, and having been perfected, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Like the verse before, he didn't move from disobedience to obedience. He didn't move from imperfection to perfection. This is talking about he actually suffered in the human body for the first time, and he began to experience choices that led to virtue. So the picture is in the human body, he became, get this, the author, the cause of salvation for you and for me. You see, we come into this world lost as a rock, but then God begins to deal with us, his spirit striving with us sometimes. We know there's something missing. We come with a hole in our heart. It's a God-shaped vacuum, Pascal said. And only God will fill that hole. And so we run around trying to stuff other things in that hole. 
like square pegs in a round hole, and they don't fit. And then suddenly, at some point, we go, this is not working. I know that there's more than this. What is it? And God brings some Christian into your life, and they begin to talk to you about God. No, 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 I'm not listening. I'm not listening. But some gets through, and those arrows from heaven come, and they start talking about Jesus dying on the cross and bleeding for your sins and taking away sins and giving you freedom, no longer a prisoner to sin. And finally, someday, it breaks through. Might be on your deathbed. Might be the last possible instance. I've seen it many times working in a hospital. But God breaks through. So he's the author. This is where it came from. It came from Jesus. And he was called by God, verse 10, as high priest. According to the order of Melchizedek, there's Melchizedek again, who is a, a priest outside of Aaron and Levi. Just give you the high points here. He becomes a picture of a priest who didn't get it because of his family. Jesus was not part of the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. So he shouldn't have been the high priest, except he's God the Son. So according to the same way Melchizedek was a priest, okay, Melchizedek is his priest. His name, Melech, is king of righteousness. And when Abraham's coming back, having rescued his, his nephew Lot, he comes into this valley of Savat, this valley that is filled with righteousness. And there's a little village there called Salem. Salem. J-E-R-U. In front of it is the place that became Jerusalem. And the king of righteousness, Melchizedek, came out carrying something to meet Abraham and all his entourage. He, what's he carrying? He's carrying communion, grape juice, and bread. It's like hopefully you took this morning. It's the first introduction of communion, and it's way back in Genesis 14. How did he know to do that? He was the high priest that God had chosen in a Gentile world. Abraham was the first Jew. And so he brings to him communion and introduces that concept. Okay, so that's your little short, da-da. And the curtain closes, and you go and read it, all right? Now we get to where we're really trying to go this morning. People who have drifted away, who are immature, starts with don't listen. Verse 11, of whom we have much to say, Melchizedek, high priest, what Jesus has done, the author of salvation, and it's hard to explain, difficult to grasp, since you have become so dull of hearing. Well, thank you very much. What a nice compliment. The author wants to teach this Jewish Christian audience the more difficult aspects of Christianity. It's so simple a four-year-old can understand it. Jesus died for my sins and wants me to go to heaven. But that doesn't mean that's all there is. And as we move on in maturity, then God wants us to be able to answer the harder questions based on the character, what we know about God. You're listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Grow in Grace as he's pointing out the importance of growing in our understanding of God. We continue in Hebrews chapter 5 with Pastor Ed giving some examples of the questions we'll face and how we'll be able to answer them. 
Why do the innocent suffer? Who am I? Where am I going? What is my purpose? You know, the really big, like, ontological questions. But he's saying, I want to teach you these things, but you've lost your ability to hear. You're not paying attention. I'm talking, my lips are moving, sound waves are being compressed and released, your ears, your tympanic membranes are slapping back and forth. But did you hear? That's what Jesus kept saying over and over again. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you listening? Are you taking in? That's what he's saying. The first sign of a person who is slipping away, who is drifting, is that they no longer hear. They're no longer interested. They're not listening any longer. They're sluggish in things of the Lord. The, the word dull comes from two Greek words, no push, no desire to drive forward, to grow. No more seizing the day carpe diem, but just letting quesera sera. No, what will be, will be. No, no, we're supposed to be driving. We're here for a short time. We're supposed to be embracing. We're supposed to be learning. Growing older has nothing to do with growing wiser. There's a lot of old people that are dumb, okay? But there's plenty of young people. In fact, all young people are dumb. Sorry if you're under 15, <laughs> maybe 20. <laughs> and if you're really slow, it might be 25 or 30 before your brain kicks in and your brains come back after teenage. Sorry about that whole teenage thing. I don't understand it, but that's when the brain dies and it goes away for about 10 years. <laughs> keep writing. I'm reading them. <laughs> okay, so the first indicator is you're not listening. Spiritual immature people don't listen. Number two, you can't speak to others about God. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have become or have come to need milk and not solid food. Okay, so God says we're all called to teach. Now, it may not be in a, a classroom setting, may not be in a church setting, may not be huge crowds, one-on-one. -on -one. You have a call on your life to present Jesus to other people, ambassador to Christ. If, if you haven't surrendered to Jesus yet, that's what's coming. That God will take you, and he carefully brings people into our lives that don't overwhelm us. Not that they can't ask us questions we don't know the answer to, but you just say that. I don't know the answer, but I'll look it up and I'll get back to you. God has called us to teach other people younger in the Lord. You should be a teacher. You ought to be teaching, but you're not. You need someone to teach you again. First principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Okay, so, yeah, so Friday I'm in the bank, and I'm in line, and this uh, guy says, hi, how are you? I didn't recognize him. I was thinking about something else, and then I did. I said, oh, yeah, hi. I'm sorry. Mine was a thousand miles away. And we talked a little bit, and he, he said, I, I know you from somewhere. And I, I just let it hang for a minute. And I said, so how is God treating you? He said, pastor. I knew you were a pastor. <laughs> how did I get this place in line? What was I thinking? I should have hanged back, let that other guy go in front of me, and then I'd be saved. So we talked just a little bit, but he hadn't been in church in a long time. 
and hope he's here this morning. I haven't seen him or will be next service or tonight. But he's where this is saying. He's going to have to start again. Who are the oracles of God? All those who have spoken God's word, whether they're the 66 books in the Bible written by about 45 different authors or whether it's a pastor or whether it's a Bible study leader or somebody you knew that taught you about Jesus and spent some time in your life. So he's going to have to start over again with the first principles. Now get this, the milk. Because if you read this too quickly, you'll think milk is a bad thing. That's not what it's saying. Those are the things like resurrection and that salvation is by grace through faith and just those fundamental things that we all have to start with. But the result is you're supposed to be able to talk to other people about God. That's his call on your life and on mine. The ABCs of the new covenant, what it means to have a relationship with God. Instead of being able to teach people, he needs to go back to kindergarten. That's the whole point. Okay, so the signs of immaturity, doesn't listen, doesn't speak, and thirdly, can't feed themselves. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, the Bible, Scripture, what God says, for he is a babe, a baby. Cute and sweet as babies are, they're also a lot of work. They require mom and dad to spend a lot of time cleaning them up, you know, especially around two when they're starting to try and learn to eat and you give them a spoon and they flick the applesauce across the room on the wall and the dog goes by and they spill spaghetti. The dog is happy about it. And then you turn around to go get a rag and you come back and the face is clean because the dog has cleaned your child's face. And, 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 you know, and then you smell something and you look in the diaper and you go, oh my goodness, won't this kid ever learn to be potty trained? And that's the picture. Although kids are great, Infants are a lot of fun. I love babies, no question about it. But, you know, when they start getting older, they need to use the spoon themselves. That's the picture here of believers, that you and I have to learn to feed ourselves God's Word. You can't just listen to somebody else give you pre-digested food, spiritual food. But if the pastor or Bible study leader is doing his job or her job correctly, she's giving you things you don't understand yet, and you're having to go back and read it. Like the Bereans, they heard what Paul said in this, in this Greek city of Berea, and they went back and they checked Scripture to see if what he said was true. You should be doing that. You should be checking out everything I said to see if it's true, and then apply it to your own life. Feed yourself, a sign of maturity, of growing older in the Lord, something he wants us all to do. Okay, doesn't listen, can't speak, can't feed it himself or herself, and then fourthly, can't make good decisions. Solid food belongs to those who are mature, of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The result of maturing in the Lord is that you have wisdom, the wisdom of God, to make wise decisions. You and I all have to make decisions. It's part of life. But when we become believers, God gives us, if we ask, James says, you, if you ask of God, he will give you wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make choices now that are correct, that will play out 
five years, 10 years, 30 years, eternity in front of you. But instead, if you're just focused, you're immature, and you're just focused on this world, and you're a young lady and you're looking for a husband, you choose Johnny Rebel because he's cute, and you marry him, and you go, goodness gracious, this guy's completely immature. He can't hold a job. He doesn't take leadership in the home. He doesn't help. I'm the one raising the kids, except that's wisdom that you were missing when you were just looking on the outside. Guys do the same thing, and they go, oh, but she's so beautiful. Yeah, but she's dumb as a brick. <laughs> Pick somebody that loves Jesus more than you do and is a lot smarter than you are. And it's really not hard to find. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of them around, guys. I know I married one. Okay. There's something good about marrying a dumb one, but I wouldn't know about it because I did the opposite. Okay. So the result of being a mature Christian is that you listen well that you're not afraid to tell other people about Jesus, that you can feed yourself God's Word, and that you make good decisions. That's not complicated, is it? But it's impossible to do without Jesus, without Him in your life, and helping you to grow. It's all about growth here. Okay, years ago, Ray Lynn and I spent a short time with Francis Schaeffer in Switzerland, and uh, he was in a little village called Waymo. Is a picturesque village on the side of the hill. Brown Swiss cows, everything was right there. There's an old guy there who would always greet all the tourist bus that came because it was such a beautiful place. All these tourist bus would come through. And somebody told me uh, they'd asked him what his favorite story was, and it stuck with me. And he said, you know, people come up and ask him about the village and everything. And one day an American, of course, it had to be an American, and said, you live here? <laughs> Here's your sign. He said, uh, yes, sir, I do. Looks around, I said, any uh, important or famous men or women born here? And he thought a minute, and he looked the guy in the eye and said, no, only babies. <laughs> but I like that. Because he's talking about everybody starts as a baby. This is a village of people. And out of this church have come 57 other churches, many of them started by young guys who grew up here and, and went off to Bible college and then came back. We sent them out. And, and most of them still, 99.9% .9 of them still in the pastorate and the churches are growing they're healthy. Why? Because they learn to listen, to speak, to feed themselves, and to make good decisions about God. That's his call on your life and in mine. And we should not become impatient with people around us who come in here, because we get a lot of them who don't know anything about God. And God's calling you to share His love with them. With an encouragement to go on to maturity and to patiently help others around us do the same, we'll draw today's Grow in Grace to a close. Pastor Ed Ray is in a study of Hebrews. You can listen to this program again on our website at thepackinghouse.org. We can also send you a CD copy. For this and other Christ-centered resources, go online to thepackinghouse.org or call 844-77-GRACE. That's toll-free, 844-77-GRACE. At Grow in Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word from Genesis to Revelation 
so that nothing is left out. We're grateful to the Lord when we hear of men and women that are growing in grace as a result of listening. And if that's happening in your life, would you please let us know? As this study of Hebrews continues, we want to hear from you. Email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And we'd also very much appreciate your financial support. Lives are being impacted, people are growing in grace, and your gifts help to make this possible. When you give today, you're invited to request a copy of Elizabeth Elliot's book, Through Gates of Splendor. In January of 1956, five missionaries gave their lives in the jungles of Ecuador and made the headlines around the world. You'll be encouraged and blessed as you read this compelling and inspirational true story. Allow it to spark a passion in your life to get the gospel of Jesus out to those who are without Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount, so call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. Remember, you can access these daily studies when you visit our website at thepackinghouse.org. We'll pick up where we left off in Hebrews next time. So join us as we grow in grace with Pastor Ed. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone.